G'day, I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is Devotions in the Deep End. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. Our passage for this episode is Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 25. We will be reading it in smaller pieces to consider its richness. Let's start with verses 23 to 26. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The word therefore is used here to link it with the lesson of the last episode. When the disciples ask Jesus about the depth and completeness of the forgiveness they should offer towards others, he offers an answer well beyond their seemingly generous estimation. And now the parable that follows is clearly intended to shock the disciples into perspective. A king has assembled what are essentially his public servants to reconcile various accounts. And one of these guys has somehow found himself in outrageous debt. 10,000 bags of gold was an inconceivable amount of debt, something nobody could even imagine racking up. One bag of gold was also called a talent of gold, so some of you may see that as a unit of measurement in your preferred Bible translation. It was roughly the weight of gold a soldier could carry in his bag with his kit after a raid, said to be a minimum of 34 kilos, or 75 pounds for all my listeners in the United States. 10,000 talents of gold was an amount of regal proportions and more along the lines of what Solomon amassed as the most savvy of all of Israel's kings. David, at the end of his life, offered just 3,000 talents of gold for the building of the temple. In that same time, the whole people gave an offering as well, and across the whole country they were able to give 5,000 talents. In 4 BC, an ancient historian, Josephus, noted that the entire amount of tax gathered from Judea and Samaria was just 600 talents. So with these figures in the background, one public servant somehow coming up with a debt of 10,000 bags of gold was absolutely crazy. The conversion rate is whatever a minimum of 340 metric tons of gold would be, so an audience would actually be quite angry about the excess and waste of such a situation. I usually don't like to date these podcasts, so this one might not age well depending on how the economy goes. But right now, such an amount comes a little short of 30 billion Australian dollars, about 22 billion in US dollars. It's more than the wealth of Australia's richest person currently. It's a debt bigger than a king's wealth, bigger than the revenue raised in a small country. And a public servant somehow racked it up. The parable explains that punishment was rightly about to come. But the servant then makes the most feeble, pitiful response he can. Extend mercy, and I will pay it all back. If you are patient with me, king, I will repay the unpayable. 
Now, when we come to the Father outside of Jesus, this is the state he will judge us to be in. Our sin is like that crazy amount of debt that this man had. We are completely fooling ourselves if we believe we can get into the kingdom on the strength of our own merit. To say that we can do good works to get in God's good graces to the point that our good will outweigh our bad is as feeble a claim as this servant. The debt of sin is simply too great to pay back like that. But the parable gets better as we read on. Verse 27 says this, The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. It goes along like this, Servant, you owe me 340 metric tons of gold, but your complete helplessness has moved me. By rights, I should lock you up and sell everything you have, but I'm going to give you a chance to have your life back. The debt of 340 tons of gold is now zero gold. This is a judgment only a king can make. Take your family, go back to your home, leave with the king's peace. The parable continues this way in verses 28 to 30. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 100 silver coins is 100 days of minimum wage. By Australian standards, that's a bit over $15,000. Compare the debts here. Billions of dollars worth of gold that will never be paid back or 100 days pay that could come back to you if enough grace and time is extended. One, an impossible debt. The other, achievable with patience. The servant who has been forgiven of the impossible in this parable becomes a standover man to the one who owes him little by comparison. Now, we should acknowledge something here. It's not nothing being owed here. It is a significant sum. Jesus is by no means trivializing the debt owed to him. It's not like it's the equivalent of $10 today. The man in the servant's literal stranglehold right now does have a case to answer in and of itself outside of the ordeal the original servant has just gone through. But the punishment inflicted here is the mark of a man who wants to hold this guy in debt forever. Friend, here is a free tip, just in case you have clients to whom you've sent some big invoices lately. If you are counting on somebody to pay back a significant financial sum, then prison is not the place you want that person to be. You want them to be free to work and earning the money owed. While this man is in prison, the debt would become the problem of so many other people. The man's wife and kids would need to go without in order to pay the debt, just so they can get their husband and father back. And in that setting, the lengths they would need to go to in order to raise that sort of money could lead to potentially bad outcomes, even exploitation. Everything about the man's outlook is one of keeping a person's debt going and never getting out of it. It's repayable with time, but the standover man is not going to allow that to happen. When the two debts are being linked with the issue of forgiveness and reconciliation, you can kind of see where this is going now. So let's finish reading the passage together. Verses 31 to 35 say this. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? 
In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So the king is made aware of the antics of the guy he'd just forgiven, and it is clear that the king had higher expectations than what's occurred. In fact, the way the story is being presented, even the most ungodly person could see how it should have played out. The king fully expected a person who experienced his mercy to be an extender of such mercy to others. The phrase, shouldn't you, is a clear indicator of the king's expectation, because the degree of mercy received is far greater than the mercy the king is looking for in the recipient. No matter how merciful the servant would need to be, he should have walked in the revelation that his own experience of mercy received was far, far greater. The parable takes a tragic turn at the end. A guy came into the parable owing a king billions of dollars. He makes a useless promise to pay it all back, and the king clearly sees it for what it is. In an act of compassion, the king completely forgives the debt and removes it from the ledger, and the man is totally free to go. He then finds a friend who owes him a far lesser sum, but has no mercy for him despite his recent encounter with the king. The king calls him back and removes the mercy once extended. It had proven to be a wasted opportunity to create a more merciful servant. The debt is reinstated and he is put into a place where he himself will never be able to repay a dime. Instead, he'll be forever punished for the debt he's amassed. Then Jesus brings this back to the church. God's grace gives us a righteousness that no mere religious observation can produce in and of itself. And God's mercy received provides us with a whole new capacity and perspective of mercy that religious observance in and of itself cannot produce. The capacity for mercy that our King, Jesus, is looking for comes out of revelation, things of mystery revealed. When you see your sin as an unpayable debt, when you see yourself before the judgment seat of God, knowing such a debt is on your shoulders, when you see the judge about to drop the hammer in verdict, but before he does, he pronounces freedom, not eternal punishment. You should have a whole new appreciation for life and the fresh start given to you. Friend and fellow Christian, our revelation is that we have stood before our king in faith already, and he has wiped such a debt from our account. Instead of debt, we are given hope through the blood of Jesus. Our revelation is that the king is merciful and compassionate. Our revelation is that the king absorbs and forgives the debt of sin we cannot pay. Our revelation is that our king presides over a reconciled kingdom due to his ability alone to forgive such debts. We know he alone can because he was the one who took the punishment that his own justice called for. And in response, he calls us to forgive our brothers and sisters. Forgive means to loosen your hold, to take your hands off the throat of the one who has wronged you to release them from their debt of sin against you, to not hold them in a prison of our own making. And if we don't do this, the prison we make for others has a cell with our name on it too, in life now and in eternity too, if we take Jesus' words seriously here. He calls us to do this 70 times 7. In other words, it's an ongoing posture of our lives. We forgive without ceasing, and we forgive as completely as we can. Now, this does not trivialize the sins of others against us. The debt of the second man was a sizable piece of money, 
Jesus is not trivializing things, so neither do we. But the expectation based on mercy received is that the kingdom community does work towards being a perpetually reconciled community. The world around us has a big debt owing to the king, but they're only going to know about the compassion and mercy that's available to them through those who know it and practice it. As a result, the reconciled church community demonstrates the kingdom of God and its workings to the world around them. So with all that in mind, let's consider what it takes to be a perpetually reconciled community. First, keep short accounts with the little things, the things that are effectively $10 things. If there's a crossword here and there, hug it out as soon as you can. If there's misunderstandings or even real but minor sins against others, get them right quickly. Second, make the posture of forgiveness a daily feature of your spiritual rhythms. This is actually a feature of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive our debts as we forgive. Some $15,000 sins might rise up from time to time. There will at times be significant things that are clearly not trivial. And yet, a journey towards forgiveness is still called for by Jesus for your own sake. Seven times is a picture of completeness. And mediation, advocacy, or counseling may even be an appropriate step for you as you navigate those bigger things. The alternative is to remain in your own unforgiving prison. Our compassionate king does not want you there. He wants your freedom. And he wants his kingdom community to be free also, so that others in debt may find their release too. Speaking of such people, I have one last question. Are you in debt to the king? If you don't know the forgiveness of Jesus, if this has not been clearly revealed to you yet by him, then the answer sadly is yes. You can try in vain to claim your good will outweigh the bad, and you can take your chances when you face him when life is done. But the parable spoken by Jesus indicates that this will prove to be a futile effort. The debt of sin can only be forgiven by God. It's his scales of justice that we answer to, not those of our own making. He calls for justice for our evil ways, but has also absorbed that punishment through Christ and the cross. Until you know that forgiveness, you'll never nail the degree of forgiveness towards others that Jesus is talking about here. So friend, are you in your own prison of unforgiveness for any reason right now? I pray that today is a day that sets you on a path of freedom. Lean into what Jesus our King offers to us in compassion and follow him into those times where you need to offer forgiveness to others. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to put up a rating and even a comment if your platform allows for it, as this will help others know what to expect. I look forward to catching up next time.